Welcome back to PHM Experience, the podcast. This is a production of Powerhouse Ministries in Smyrna, Delaware, and we are going to be bringing you weekly sermons and our midweek services, as well as podcasts and interviews that we think are going to empower and enrich your life. When you're done listening, feel free to share with someone else, because you never know what impact the word may make. Be blessed. Great evening, great evening, Powerhouse family and friends. Welcome, welcome. Come on in and join us. You're in for a treat tonight. So tag your family and your friends and let them know that Powerhouse Ministries is on and we're ready to serve you on tonight. I greet you in divine love from Powerhouse Ministries under direction of Bishop Dwayne L. Bull and Pastor Sybil Bull and the entire Powerhouse family. We welcome you. Great evening, family. Great evening. Don't forget to tag and share and let everybody know that Powerhouse Ministries is on, whether you're on Facebook or whether on YouTube. We greet you and we welcome you on tonight. So come on in. Let us know that you're here. Say good evening to your uh, fellow friends and your family as you come on. Now, I want to take this opportunity to make sure that you have your Bible, whether it's electronic or whether you have it to read in your hand, and make sure you have your notebook and a pen that will not fail you on tonight because you are guaranteed to take away some nuggets on tonight. You're in for a real treat. Again, I greet you. Good evening, Powerhouse family and friends. Tag and share, please. As you're coming in, please say good evening to the rest of the family in our virtual world. Ask them how they were doing today, and I pray all had a wonderful day today. So we're going to get started. So come with me to the throne of grace. I'm going to have your prayer for tonight, and then I'm going to turn it over to our guest speaker for tonight. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come to you now, God. Father No matter what kind of day we had today, it still was a great day because you've allowed us to see it. You've allowed us to breathe into it and you allowed us to be in our right mind and have movement of our limbs. So, Father God, we thank you and we praise you, God. We praise you for this moment, God. We want to hear what you have to say, oh God. So I pray that every heart is open every mind is clear and ready to receive what you have to say on tonight. Father God, we thank you, God. We thank you for the speaker, oh God. Bless her more abundantly, God. Thank you. Thank you for allowing your vessel to share the word that you've given her on tonight, God. And we thank you and we praise you. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, again, I greet you and I thank you. You will not count it robbery for showing up on tonight. 
I want to introduce to you Bishop Wynell Freeman. She is a wife, an overseer, a motivator, and an author. And once you hear the words that are coming from the throne of grace, you will know the overseer, the motivator, and you will hear the author on tonight. Bishop Wynell Freeman is a senior leader of Fresh Word Kingdom Assemblies in Voorhees, New Jersey. Bishop Freeman is the chief executive officer of Free Man Ministries and the overseer of Alignment with Purpose Fellowship. Bishop Wynell Freeman is a dynamic, which you will hear tonight, a dynamic sought after voice. I won't take up any more time. Bishop Freeman, come in your own way. Blessings. Blessings to Geneva. Thank you so much. And God bless you, all of God's people who are tuning in tonight. We are so grateful. The Lord is great, greatly to be praised. I agree with David. His greatness is unsearchable and his ways are past finding out. We give great glory to our Lord and Savior tonight. And in the midst of all that's going on in the world, we still lift our hands and say, Father, you are worthy to be praised. From the rising of the sun, hallelujah, to the going down thereof, the Lord's name is always to be glorified. And we keep the people of Ukraine in our prayers. Lord have mercy. The situations there, we can't even begin to imagine the reality of these kinds of, of troubles. But we lift our voices and we send our voices where our feet may never try, but we send up our prayers on their behalf. Amen, amen, amen. Well, I give honor tonight to my big brother, who is the most capable uh, apostle and bishop over this house, powerhouse in Delaware. They're my Delaware, my Smyrna, Delaware family. I love them so much. And to, I call her my sissy, Pastor Sybil. I thank God for her. And I thank God for this opportunity to share with you. It's always a privilege and it's a humbling experience to share the word of the Lord. I have an assignment for these next two weeks tonight and tomorrow night to, to share with you and to teach with regard to sonship. Yeah, we're going to talk about sonship for the next couple of weeks. All right. I want to start by making this statement. In individual and societal identity, personal resolve is supreme to laying a firm foundation on properly interpreting the purpose for one's existence, all right? The development of accurate self-concept allows freedom of individuality, and if channeled correctly, it can aid in healthy interdependent relationships. So knowing who we are, an accurate self-concept allows us the freedom of individuality. When we know who we are, we just be who we be. <laughs> we're, we're not in competition with anyone else. We be who we be. And as my bishop would say, and we be nothing else. And so it, but in order to be that, in order to have that mentality, in order to have that mental, emotional posture we have to develop an accurate self-concept, all right? Since this holds true naturally and spiritually, it's time for believers to accept and confirm the validity 
of our kingdom identification. Our kingdom, I didn't say your church ID. Your kingdom, where you operate, where you fit in the world. Who are you in God's world? All right. So sonship is our is our posture. Now, many of us say we're servants of the Lord. Servant, servant is our attitude. Sonship is our posture. Write that down. My attitude is that of a servant. But my posture is one of a son when it comes to my relationship with God and who I am in the world. I'm a son. Sonship. All right. And that term son is genderless. Sonship, that's genderless. It's talking about our position, the position of the believer. My attitude is that of a servant, but my posture, where I stand, my position, I stand in sonship. Sonship is not just a New Testament term. We, Adam was a son. He was made in God's image and his likeness. We see in Exodus 4, 22 through 23, um, Israel is called God's son. And Israel is so dear to God. Listen what God tells Moses. Look how God takes sonship. He said to Moses, tell Pharaoh, dismiss my son that he may serve you. And you have refused to dismiss him. He says, so I will kill your sons, your firstborn. I think it doesn't pay to mess with God's sons, those that he has designated as his own. So we see the term son, sonship. Israel is called God's son. Adam is a son made in the image and likeness of God. Deuteronomy 14 and one says, you are sons to Yahweh, your God. And he gives them an instruction because you're sons, you don't cut yourselves. You don't shave your heads in mourning. He was giving them laws in the book of Deuteronomy on their behaviors and how they carried themselves so that they would not follow the culture of the heathens. So of the heathen, so sonship separated, even in the Old Testament, separated those who belong to God. It was a separate distinction, all right? Sonship deals with the relationship to, from father to son, from son to father. Sonship declares that we are reflections of the father. We reflect who he is. We are his image in the earth. What we must understand about sonship is that the rights and privileges of a king, God being king, are passed down by succession through inheritance. I'm going to say that again. The rights and privileges of a king are passed down by succession through inheritance. So Christ came and paid the ultimate price. If he had not, we would be doomed to servanthood and never experience the tremendous honor and advantage and rights of rulership as the sons of God. Now, listen, although all mankind is considered a God creation, not all are sons. <laughs> we'll talk about We'll give you the understanding, more clarity of that later. In order to facilitate the exchange of the fallen soul of man for the purpose of inheritance, God himself came in human form with a dual intention. Number one, to destroy the works of the devil. 
And number two, to restore man back to sonship through the act of redemption. Jesus came not just to keep us from going to hell. <laughs> well, for a long time, I thought that's all he came for, to save my soul so I wouldn't go to hell. No, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil and to restore us. Adam lost his, his place. We had to be restored to sonship. And it could only be done through the shedding of precious blood. Jesus had to redeem us. He had to buy us back from the one that we had become enslaved to after the fall of Adam. Listen what the word says. And for this cause, he is the mediator. I love this. Of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Jesus came as the mediator of the New Testament and he died to redeem us. Oh God, we were under the first testament. Wasn't working in our favor. <laughs> and Christ died for, I love, while we were yet sinners. He died for us to restore us back to our place of sonship. I wish somebody would say and send it back to me in the feed. We've been restored back to our place in God. Somebody send that back. We've been, I've been restored. I've been redeemed, purchased by the blood of Jesus, restored to my place of authority restored to my place of power. That's what sonship is about. Restored to the place of power so that we can carry out the plan, the work, the mind of God in the earth. Let's, let's look at th th this being born again and what, and what it's about. Nicodemus was a ruling member of the Sanhedrin. We know the story. He had obviously heard the teaching of Jesus and his kingdom and how to enter it. Needing further instruction, he opts for a night course. The Bible said he came to Jesus by night. He was trying to understand this new birth concept. And he was trying to understand it by comparing it to his original birth process. So Jesus describes the new birth as a kingdom prerequisite to Nicodemus, who was a ruling member of the Sanhedrin. The teacher explained to the student that it is impossible to see or perceive with spiritual perception or recognize with the mind the kingdom without a spirit rebirth. So he, here's the story, John chapter 3. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom or he can't perceive the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time in to his mother's womb and be born. 
Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto you, except the man be born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not, I say unto you, you must be born again. He was explaining to him that there is a new birth process or a regeneration process. That word regenerate, regened. <laughs> you, you have to, you have to, this gives, this brings uh, meaning into a renewed, talking about a renewed existence to bring a, a new, more vigorous life, to give a new and higher spiritual nature, to be spiritually restored. That word in Latin means you must be created again, not your flesh, but your spirit, huh? Regeneration, regened, brought into the line of generation. Regened, changed from the old to the new. Whatever was in your bloodline, when you are regened, regenerated, it no longer has dominion over you. Oh, what a work Jesus did on our behalf. If you all would put up the chat so I can see the feedback, I would appreciate it. Thank you so much. To regenerate, again, means to procreate, to propagate, to produce, listen, regened, regenerate, to produce a creature similar to its parents. My, my, my. The entire new birth process then is to remove all traces of degeneration that became the lot of mankind through the fall of the first Adam. It is to reproduce a spirit creature similar to the parent, God the Father. Regeneration, regened. We've been restored back to the place of God's original intent. Oh my goodness, I could dance right there. We've been restored. What was God's original intent for Adam? Have dominion, be fruitful, multiply. The first order was face-to-face -face fellowship with God. And out of that, he would carry out his dominion mandate. So when we are, God's once upon a time becomes again, what we call the once upon a time becomes the again. Through Christ, I have the ability. You have the ability. When you receive Jesus Christ, you return to your initial assignment. What was it? Kingship and have dominion. Oh my goodness. We've been restored through the death, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The victory of the son <laughs> has become the victory of the sons. Yes, Lord, we stand in total victory in our sonship. We've been made a nation, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, of kings and priests. In my priestly posture, that's where I worship. That's where I fellowship with him. But in my kingly position, I take territory. So we've been regenerated. We've been redeemed, snatched out of the hand of the enemy. So not only are we made new, all of our rights and privileges, all the rights and privileges of our former owner are canceled. How? 
adoption. The adoption process, we've been adopted. The adoption process is a legal separation of a child from the birth parent. It's a transfer of custody. It's an exchange of parental rights and responsibilities. That's what happened when, when we were adopted. And what I love about adoption, see, see when you when you two people coming together, have a child, you, you get what you get. In adoption, you've been chosen. <laughs> Somebody makes choice of you. And we are chosen. And it happened in him before the foundation of the world. Our sonship was already solidified. Hallelujah. So we've been adopted. And the adoptee is entitled to the same rights and privileges as children born to the parents, including the right to inherit property. So adoption identifies us as full-fledged sons and citizens of a new kingdom with all of its entitlements. Mine, 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 mine. I'm an adopted son, but I've got all rights and privileges <laughs> because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 15 through 17 reads like this. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. But you receive the spirit of sonship and by him, by that spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, if we are children, come on now, we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So now we are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So everything that is God's through succession, we receive, we are co-heirs. Whatever Jesus inherited as the son of God, guess what? I'm a joint heir. All rights and privileges in this thing called sonship. Galatians 4, 4 through 6 says, But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive our adoption as sons. And because we're sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, dearest daddy, Abba, father. As I previously stated, all men are the creation of God, but not all the sons. The term son holds a variety of significations. Literally, a son by bloodline, a grandson, a, a descendant, a son by adoption, a disciple one who is the object of tender affection and treated as a son. But as for God, the only condition for sonship is acceptance, the acceptance of the recipient. All we have to do is receive him. And our sonship kicks in automatically. Only those who received him, to as many as received him, those who accepted him, 
those who received him to them gave he power he empowered them he gave them authorization permission sanction he commissioned them for sonship so when you accepted jesus christ you did more than change your eternal destination huh your earthly determination was settled and sonship is yours the only prerequisite, only condition is to receive Jesus as Lord. So in the body of Christ, we're all sons. We've all been brought in via the new birth. But sonship goes through a process. Sonship goes through a process. There's several stages. One stage when we're born again and, and we, we're, we're in our, when our baby stages, it's called nepios in the Greek. If you want to look it up, it's Strong's number 3516. And that means I'm an heir automatically. All the rights and privileges are mine as soon as I receive him. But in my baby stages, I'm an heir under guardianship. In other words, I'm not mature enough yet to handle all that I've inherited. Why, why am I going this way? Because I want us to understand the stages. And I don't want you to feel that that sonship is not yours because you're not walking totally in the fullness of it yet. There's stages. So the moment you receive Jesus as Lord, you're, or, you're an heir. The heir. All of the rights and privileges become yours. But the process is necessary. Everything with God is a process. You know what I'm saying? Everything. This whole walk <laughs> is a process. So that, that first stage, Nepios, I'm born again. I'm a son. I'm an heir. But I'm an heir under guardianship. I'm not mature enough to handle what has what's inherited. These stages are going to show us that it is important who nurtures you into maturity of sonship. Ooh. It's important who you sit under. My, my. It's important that the one who leads you understands the process and teaches you that it is a process and helps to groom you and I thank God for those who were my tutors. Lord have mercy. I thank God. We don't understand and we don't always appreciate our molders, the ones that God assigned to our lives, who walk us through the different stages and phases. And those of us who lead have to be careful so that we understand what phase of your development we're responsible for. Because sometimes we're only responsible to walk you through that initial baby stage and somebody else might have the next assignment and somebody else might have the next assignment. Oh boy. So it's important that both sides understand that through the stages, we need the right people molding and sculpting us and helping us to become mature and feeding us what we need at the different stages. I hope I'm helping us. 
And those that are feeding and leading have to understand that you may only be assigned to them to walk through that phase or that stage. And then someone else may have to give the increase. One waters, one plants. God gives the increase. So we have to be sensitive on both sides. So if you're at the baby stage, you're still a son. You're still a son. You're just a son under guardianship. You're not ready yet. And in this stage, 1 Peter 2.22 tells you what to crave. The sincere milk of the word so that you can grow thereby. We have to be careful that we don't strangle the babies to death trying to feed them meat. <laughs> when the assignment for this stage is milk. Regarding the teaching and training, when, when you're in that stage, there has to be a sensitivity. Everybody doesn't know how to handle babies. And so they have specialized people that work with the handling of babes. And we need that in the body because you are an heir. Everything is just not dispensed to you yet. There's another phase called Pahidion. Pahidion. That's a child under training. That child needs strict oversight. Why? Because they're in an ongoing development necessary to reach their fullest potential. That's the stage that, that, that is often uh, written we see John 2, 13. He says, I'm writing to you. I'm writing to you, children, because you know the Father. You've met the Father. You're familiar with him. This is the stage now that you're at. You've come into relationship. You're familiar with him. But you're still not yet ready. We've all... All in these stages, all of us tonight are in different stages of our sonship, still sons. That's what I don't want. I want, don't lose sight on that. You're still a son. And don't be upset about your stage. Stay there until it's time for you to move to the net. Because in the end, oh boy, full rights and privileges. I'm not talking about getting stuff. I'm talking about walking in full levels of authority, full levels of power, full levels of responsibility, full levels of influence. So don't get angry over the stages. You're developing into something mighty and powerful. The next stage is called technion, where you're sufficiently mature to engage in a reciprocal relationship with the father. And now you can give, be given some responsibility and the opportunity to respond to rulership. Hmm? When you look at Matthew 21, 28 through 31, read it on your own time because for, for the sake of our time tonight, these sons are of sufficient maturity to be given rule and responsibility, but they were inconsistent and carrying out the will of the father, which proved they needed more training. 
before they could completely represent the Father. See, isn't it wonderful? God allows us to go through and, and we learn our places of strength. We learn our places of inconsistency. Don't forget, still a son. I'm just in training. I learned the places that I'm good. I learned the places that I fail so I can fix and, 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 and spruce those things up and bring them to a place of full maturity. Oh, I hope I'm helping you tonight. Then there's another stage called Neoniscos. Neoniscos. All right. That's the son that has become the overcomer. He's been refined through suffering. See, everything we go through is not the devil. Please, we give the devil too much credit. We have to be able to recognize what is the enemy. And some things are just the grooming process of God. And yes, sometimes the enemy is involved and he is allowed. But the only way to become mature in sonship, there's going to be some testing. Now, sonship does not exempt us from trouble. As a matter of fact, it opens the door. But that testing, our strength is tested. We go through strength training. Lord have mercy. Trouble. We go through the refiner's fire. Huh? Why? Be, be, because it's a part of the process. It's the development. Jesus went through the same. The testing of the wilderness. Oh, God. Oh, but look what happens at the end. The Bible said, and he returned to Galilee. How? In the power of the spirit. <laughs> Woo! And all of the miracles and the signs and the wonders that took place. Blind eyes were opened. The first thing that happened was a marriage was saved. The wedding of Cana. Huh? Then blind eyes were opened. Women with issues of blood were delivered. Jairus' daughter was raised. The man with the withered hand was restored. Huh? People sitting by a pool for years, set free. But he had to go through that process, that temptation, that trouble. It's all a part of sonship. It's a part of the training process. We're not going to walk in the fullness of the responsibility of our sonship if we have not had any testing and trial and trouble. If we had not been driven into the wilderness by the power of the spirit, Jesus was driven, not led. Scriptures, and he was driven into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. We will all have those experiences. Still a son. It's the process. God's going to prove to you what's in you at this level. Huh? Jesus was so full. Of, he was full of the word at this, at this stage. He was full of the word. And everything the enemy came at him with, it is written. Huh? Proving to us maturity of sonship. 
is housing the word and waging warfare against the enemy with the power of God's word. So this, this stage of sonship is where we're refined through suffering. I wish there was another way, and I know you do too. I, I do. But there's no other way. We all, so see it as a part of your development. And as we go higher in the different levels, oh Lord, different stages of maturity require a fiery trial. It's all apart. It's all apart. In 1 John 2, 13 through 15, he said, I've written to you, young men, mature ones, because you're strong. Listen, and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Oh, look at you, son. Huh? I couldn't have let you go through this in the other stages. You couldn't have gone through this. You wouldn't have had the victory. But now here you are. But this last stage is called Huios. It is the full, where the sons come into full, complete representation of the father. It is where the fully mature Christ-like son stands in a place where he sets the standard of righteousness. And that is where, these are the manifesting sons. Huh? The final stage of this growth and development is where the father sends us as his complete representation. We carry a measure of God. Oh God, again, where we set the standard of righteousness and we represent or represent the father. That's the stage. That's that final stage. Hebrews 5, 12 and 14 says, these are the ones that eat solid food. Hmm? Let, let's read the whole verse 12 through 14. But though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. Listen, here's a distinction. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. That's that first word we shared with you about the stages. But solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have his senses trained to discern good and evil. So that huios, that's the mature ones where we come into where we, we eat solid food and we have practiced and we've trained our senses to discern good and evil. And then we set the standard for righteousness. We set the standard for righteousness. Okay? Now, to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even those that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but God. When we see this term power, it is the term exousia or exousia. And it means 
when we receive him, he gives us power to become sons. He gives us ability, the capacity to perform successfully. Oh God, empowered to be sons. We come through the process. We have the ability to perform successfully. Exceptional skill and intelligence is in that word power, ability. So as the sons of God, we, I'm going to read the definition again. We have the capacity for su successful performance. We have exceptional skill and we are anointed with intelligence. The next word there is the word privilege. 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 When we say we have been empowered to become sons, we have special rights and benefits. We have rights and advantages. Wealth and social status are, is ours. And we, I love this one. That word privilege means we are privy, privy to confidential communication. Mm. Inside information we have because of the who, the he that lives in us, he, the Holy Spirit. We're the only people who have a God who speaks in us. And as he gives us power to as many as received him, he gave exousia or exousia, whichever way you want to pronounce it, ability, the capacity to perform successfully to have exceptional skill and intelligence, and he gives us privilege, special rights and benefits. We are privy to confidential information. He gives us force. That word exousia deals with force, physical power. The use of superior strength, oh God, that makes us do things that, that are against our own natural inclination, takes us beyond ourselves. He gives us competency, the ability to do. Makes us legally qualified. Listen to all that's in this word, empowered, power to become sons. Freedom, it means we're released from captivity and slavery. We have the right to act and speak without restriction. The ability to make choices that prove we are the sons of God. It means we have mastery. To them gave he power to be in mastery, to have complete control, to dominate. To them gave he power. He gave us delegated authority. We, authority. We've been chosen to represent him. Authority to act on behalf of another. To them gave he power, influence, power to sway, power to have special advantage. To them gave he power, authority, the right to enforce rules, to give orders, to become a source of reliable information in the midst of all the lies of the time. To them gave he power as sons. We have the right and we have the authority and we can release and become sources of reliable information. 
To them gave he power, authority, the ability to gain the respect of others. To them gave he power, jurisdiction, the authority to enforce laws and pronounce legal judgments. Oh my goodness. Legal authority to decree a thing and it shall be established and light will shine on our way. Legal authority, jurisdiction, having legal sway by the power of my mouth to call those things that are not as though they already are. To them gave he power, liberty, the right to choose. To them gave he power, the right, having the proper moral, to be morally appropriate. Oh my. To them gave he power, strength, resistance, defensive ability, the ability to resist the attacks and not be swayed by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye and the pride of life. The ability, the power to go from strength to strength and glory to glory, from one success to another in what looks like defeat, the power to rise again and hit the mark. To them gave he strength to become progressively better. Sonship. If you have received him, he has given you power to become a son. Ability, privilege, force, competency, freedom, mastery, the authority to act on his behalf, the power to sway, special advantage, authority to enforce rules and be a source of reliable information and gain the respect of others. The power of jurisdiction, ruling, legally ruling with the edicts that come from my mouth. Oh my God, I can enforce laws and pronounce legal judgments. I have the liberty. The devil can't make me do anything. I have a right to choose. I know what is morally appropriate and I carry it out because I'm a son. Hallelujah. I have strength, resistance, defensive ability. I have the wherewithal to go from strength to strength and glory to glory. I go from one success to another, even after what looks like defeat. And I become progressively better in all things. I have come to the max of my time for the night. I'm not out of lesson. I'm out of time. Next week, we will pick up from here. I hope that I helped you understand how God sees sonship, why Jesus came. He came to restore us back to God's original intent for us to be his sons in face-to-face -face relationship with him. Jesus tore down the middle wall of petition. My God, Woo! We, can come. we don't have to have a priest to go in for us. Our high priest has already gone in. Took, took care of his business, destroyed the veil, put the blood on the mercy seat, went and sat down at the right hand of the father and had us to come and sit with him. <laughs> Woo! So we actually carry out our sonship from another realm, not this one. We'll talk about that next week. Thank you so much for this time. And I pray that I have whet your appetite to go and study 
about your sonship. Amen.